We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You don't want it. You don't need it. But you're going to get it anyway. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Here's Kevin. All right, I'm here. Tommy is here. And yes, we did have a show, Stephen, the other day titled Fractured Foot. Uh, Tommy's got an update on his foot coming up. Um, And uh, we, more importantly, have some breaking news this morning on the sale of the team, Tommy. Adam Schefter tweeted out earlier this morning, D.C. billionaire Mitchell Rails is partnering with Josh Harris in their attempt to buy the Washington Commanders per league source. Rails is the co-founder of the Donaher Corporation, D.C.'s largest company. Uh, I would also just add, Mitchell Rails and his brother Stephen Rails bought WTEM 980 back in 1992 and switched it to Sports Talk 980. It was the beginning of 24 hours a day, seven days a week, Sports Talk Radio in this market. And the first person they hired was Andy Poland, who became right. the sports director working for the Rails Brothers. And uh, you know they sold the they sold the radio station at the exact right time. It was before um, you know kind of the rules about owning certain numbers of stations in the markets uh, were changing, and they sold it to Clear Channel for a boatload of money um, back in I think. 99, 98, something like that. I forget what year in particular. Andy's got all of the historicals on uh, Sports Talk 980, which became ESPN 980, which became the Team 980. Um, But it was the Rails Brothers who were also, one other quick uh, note about them, they are also alums of Walt Whitman High School in Bethesda, where I am also an alum of Walt Whitman a High School. So you got a connection. You know these I, guys. Huh? I, I, you know what's so funny? I don't know these guys at all. But I will tell you a quick story because um, it only happened a couple of months ago. Uh, I was at a dinner party with my wife um, at one of her real estate clients' houses in D.C. And this gentleman was introduced to me. And he was, and I am 
forgetting the name uh, specifically of this gentleman, uh, but I will be trying to reach out to him at some point soon. But he was the Rails Brothers CFO for many, many years and was involved intimately back in 1992 in the purchase of the radio station. We, we actually had a very nice talk. He was a really nice guy. Um, and I... When, when the Bank of America news came out in November, remember, we went through a list of you know potential buyers, and I listed the Rails brothers as two of the wealthiest D.C. people you know, uh, around. Like, if we were going to get D.C. people, the Rails brothers would have been at the top of the list. But they, you know, I, I didn't know whether or not they'd be interested in buying a sports team, but I remember mentioning them. And I do remember somebody telling me, yeah, they're not going to get interested in, in, in that more likely than not. They've got bigger fish to fry. I guess NFL teams aren't big enough fish. Um, and, you know, the interest level in, in being high profile like that may not be that high. That's what I was told back then about them. I don't know them at all, have never met them before. Andy would be the one um, who would uh, certainly have some insight on the Rails brothers, uh, on Stephen and on Mitchell in particular. He's the one that lives in D.C., he lives in Potomac. I think the other brother lives in L.A. If I'm, I, I could be wrong about well, that. Well, the other brother... The other brother is a movie producer. He is? He owns a company called Indian Paint Productions. Tommy. And they've made some... I, I, well, yes. That's, that's going to be I, your I, guy. I know. I want to get a script in front of this guy's hands. Absolutely. I mean, we go... Listen. I got, I got a script. We got to figure out how we can have a, 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 a happy hour with the Rails brothers. Or, or maybe a lunch. Uh, we don't want to take up too much of yeah. their time. Uh, we only require yeah. about an hour's worth of of lunch and discussion. Let's do that. Um, okay. What one of the pictures they uh, this guy Stephen Rails made was the Grand Budapest Hotel, which oh, was wow. nominated for an Academy Award. So this is a big time movie producer. Yeah. I mean, that's some you know, and you know the, the, they own this private museum called Glenstone in Potomac. Yes. I've heard of it before. Which I've been meaning to go to. I've Have heard it. I haven't. I've heard of it. My wife and I talked about this a while back. She's like, we got to go to that museum. What's the name of it again? Yes, we say the same thing. What's the it's name Glenstone. of it? Glenstone. Yeah. Um, it's in Potomac, right? Or in Rockville? Somewhere? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's in Potomac, and, and it's only open certain days and certain hours, but I, it is open to the public during that time, yeah. I think. Interesting. I'm not sure if you need an appointment or not, but that's that's on the list of places we want to go. So maybe I'll run into one of the rails and say, "Here, look at this movie script. Don't don't mess with the football team. This is big bucks right here." Well, if Wikipedia is as accurate as we think it is, <laughs> he's worth he's worth five point six billion dollars, um, and you know we've heard that Josh Harris and I had the guy from. The New York Post, uh, Josh Cosman, say the problem with Josh Harris is he's just not liquid enough to buy it on his own, um, and to spend to, to come up with five point six billion dollars, he needs co-investors, which he's trying to round up. And I suggested to him, 
can't he just sell a big stake in in the Philadelphia 76ers? He paid 280 million for them. I think it was 280 million. And the the Suns just sold for 4 billion dollars and he said that that's one way to become more liquid definitely, but there was an indication that this guy from the New York Post had that he was trying to round up co-investors. I would I would by the way also just say to those of you that knocked this guy Josh Cosman. I've had him on the podcast two different times. Um, as not credible because for whatever reason you think the paper isn't credible. He's been right about more of this stuff and early on more of this stuff than I think anybody has so far. And, and, and again, I'm not doing a, a, a Price Waterhouse accounting of all of this, um, but he was the first one to suggest that Bezos was out. Um, he was the first one to, set, to to tell everybody this isn't going to be a $7 billion purchase, that the offers are much less than $6 billion. He was the first to tell everybody that December 23rd wasn't the first bid date. It was the expression of interest date. And all of that stuff has been confirmed after the fact by other sources, uh, other, other uh, papers like the Post. But anyway, uh, Mitchell Rails grew up here. Uh, went to Whitman in, Beth- in Bethesda. Um, he was a graduate of, Wh- of Whitman in 1974. Went to the University of Miami or Miami University, the one in Oxford, Ohio, um, which is just a beautiful school in the middle of nowhere, by the way. Um, and, you know, uh, left um, his father's real estate firm uh, in 1979. Uh, and... Um, got into things like media uh, in nineteen in the nineteen eighties. He he owned WGMS Radio, um, which was Tommy. Was that the classical station? I think that was a classical station. Um, and then I think so, but I don't know for sure. And then um, then he, and that was nine eighty, and he converted. Okay, so he converted that into WTEM, the first sports talk station, in 1992. Um, Now, I I, I don't know anything about these guys other than what you've said, but from people who know them, my impression is they like to keep a very, very low profile. Yes. Well, Don... That would be... I, I don't see him being the face of the ownership which would make him the perfect partner for Josh Harris, who probably wants to be. Yeah. I mean, I, I, it's, it sounds to me, I have no idea if this is true, but I'm guessing that Josh Harris would still be the face and the lead on this yes. bid. And that... I, I would think so. And, but, I mean, you've got you to gotta find the right guy willing to say, yeah, I'm going to put a lot of money in it, and all I'm going to get is a good seat on Sunday. Because that's what you are when you're a minority investor. Even if you're a wealthy, a 40% minority investor. Right. So, to me, there. this is interesting. Um, and again, Mitchell Rails, Josh Harris, I have no idea what kind of owners they will be. None. With Josh Harris, he has gotten decent marks for the Devils and the 76ers. I've I've heard various reports in terms of what Philadelphia people think of him in terms of his ownership of the 76ers, but there's been nobody to suggest that Josh Harris as a sports owner is anything resembling Dan Snyder. 
So that's good news. Now, I have no idea what kind of owners they will, that they will be, though, here if they end up buying the team. Um, I just would suggest to everybody what I've always suggested, which is it could never be worse than it's been for the last 24 years. So why don't we try something different? My guess is it'll be yeah. a, a lot better. Um, but I think what's significant about this, and you can correct me if I'm wrong on this, but Adam Schefter reporting this, I don't know that he has reported anything on the ownership of Washington. I don't know if any of the big-time NFL reporters have reported anything on the sale. The sales stuff has all come from New York Post, the guy Josh Cosman, the Washington Post, uh, front office sports, um, and I may be missing somebody or two, but I don't think we've had anything from what I would call somebody super close to I the think NFL. The, I think I think the athletic has also been in on yeah, some of it. Ben's had uh, Ben's had yeah. something here and there, uh, as has Daniel and, and, Kaplan. And they're Daniel Kaplan, yeah. Right. So I think they've been in on it, uh, particularly about uh, owners touring the uh, facility. Right. I think they were the ones that broke that story. Do you think it's significant, uh, if I'm right, that Adam Schefter reported this? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, uh, we, we know Adam very well. But uh, he speaks for the NFL a lot of times. Right. So, you know, I, I think this is a significant development, absolutely, that is coming from Adam Schefter. Yeah, I do too. I do too. It's the first thing that I kind of thought about and I wanted to talk to you about on the pod today. Um, I, I think it's significant. I also think that the timing of it is such that maybe, even though the reporting so far has been, including from the Post and Maskey yesterday or the day before, that he had sources, including you know league sources, ownership sources from the committee meetings down in Palm Beach that suggested that deliberations could last uh, until the summer and maybe even into the fall because Snyder is really hell-bent on getting indemnification from the league. Um, and the league isn't about to give him indemnification. In fact, remember the quote from the original story from the Post about Snyder demanding indemnification against all legal and future costs associated with, you know, whatever he sells and maybe anything having to do with the league. One of the response was, we should be the ones asking for indemnification <laughs> from him. You know? Yeah. So, um, yeah. the, and so the, the, the suggestion in the Maskey story was that this was a bit of a holdup right now. Now, one of the parts of that story also said that Snyder would be satisfied if the prospective new owners gave him indemnification against future legal costs, um, etc. So maybe, you know, if Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails come together and they offer up the indemnification, um, you know, the, the, by the way, before you offer him indemnification, man, do you have to do some serious research and due diligence on your purchase? Yeah. Uh, yes, you, you do. You got to make sure that when you get in there, the building isn't falling apart and that there aren't, you know, another half dozen lawsuits getting teed up right now against the yes. organization. Yes, which is a very likely scenario. <laughs> it, it, it isn't unlikely. Um, so 
I don't know. I, what I was going to say is I thought it was significant that Schefter reported it, and I think it's also significant that Schefter reported it now. Because I have uh, my guess here over the last you know three weeks has been it's going to get done and Josh Harris is going to be um, the guy that buys this team and whether Josh Harris gets more liquid by selling a stake in the Devils or the Sixers or whatever or comes up with co-investors um, that he's going to be the one that wins out because I just think that the, this Bezos thing is real. You think the league, if they wanted Bezos to own the team, would figure out a way to make it happen? But they've got Seattle, you know, waiting for Bezos. Yeah. So yeah, that, that that's what a lot of speculation is. Uh, when when the, when the Paul Allen Trust puts that team up for sale, that people expect them to do. Uh, but I said, like I, I've maintained, and I have no, this is just my my instinct based on you know, uh, report years of reporting is that if Bezos wanted to own the t- this team, he would own this team. If he felt, if he, if he felt like putting up a fight, I think he'd win because he's too valuable a business partner to then freeze out from owning a ba- a football team. That's like saying, you know, you, you can, you can sit down and have breakfast and lunch with us, but you're not invited to dinner. Right. Um. Yeah. All right. Well, I the, the what I was going to say about the Schefter report and the timing of it is maybe we are closer to the this thing getting wrapped up. You know, if Rails comes in, Harris has his co-investor. They up the bid a little bit. They indemnify Snyder. Maybe Snyder gets a little bit more of that debt relief from the league. Who knows? to get to a number that he's comfortable with, comfortable with. Maybe this is right around the corner. It would be really nice if it were right around the corner, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Um, yes. be, because if it were now, right I, around I the corner, the- maybe they could then get into the Lamar Jackson sweepstakes. <laughs> yes. Um, you know what's interesting? Uh, also, the timing. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, uh, some NFL owners met in West Palm Beach this week for committee meetings, and the commanders, according to reports, were a big topic. Is now there, you have this news is there an come echo, out. Is there an echo right in now? here? Were you just not listening Why? to what I just said? No, I wasn't. I, I just talked about the Palm Beach committee meetings and the stuff that Maskey reported, and and that I think the timing of this is interesting. You know what? You just sometimes, sometimes you just don't even listen to me. I, I know what you're well, doing I, because I you're not in fr- you're not in front of me right now. But I know what you're doing. You're in your phone and you're scrolling and you're reading something and you're not paying yes. attention to me because no, you're no, getting I to was, what you're going to say next. Yes. Okay. I was googling information right related to the podcast. Okay. You know, it's not like I was looking up <laughs> porn or something like that. No, but there there were times when we would be in the studio <laughs> together and you're, you know, that phone's right up against your face because it's the only way you could read it. And, you know, and, and you were t- totally ignoring me and it had something that it had nothing to do with this show. Or, by the way, there were some days where you were writing your column. Yeah. Well, you see, I had other interests to take care of. And uh-huh. by the way, the phone in my face is not an issue anymore since I had this surgery on my cataract. I know, buddy. I know, I know. Well, I haven't seen you in a while. I mean, it's been a while since we've seen each other. 
So. Well, I'm coming home. Okay, I'm so. coming home with a with a walking boot, but I'm coming home. All right. Do you have um? Do, is there is there a repeat of information that may further the story with maybe some new information? I don't know. Let me Google and find <laughs> out. <laughs> No, I was just saying that, you know, the, the Palm Beach meetings and the indemnification story from Maskey and the two things about the Schefter story was one, that it was from Schefter, and two, the timing of it maybe is an indication that we're moving closer to, you know, a conclusion. But Snyder is always will always get in the way of stuff. There'll be some, he, he's going to be a difficult guy to do business with. Okay. You know? Did you find that from Google? No. <laughs> you came I, up I, with I that mean, one on your own? No, uh, yeah. you're, you're, you're right. I mean, I, I remember when we had this conversation a couple months ago and I said to you, I said, I just kind of thought about what if Snyder messes this thing up just like he's messed everything else up? Like, what if he messes yeah. the sale up? And, you know, this indemnification demand has a chance to kind of mess things up you know, enforce this to some kind of a vote. Look, there's a long way between now and the money being wired and the deal being closed and Josh Harris and Mitchell Rails and whomever else, you know, is part of this team that buys. We're, 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 st- we're not, it's not tomorrow, I don't think. But I, to me, just seeing it from Schefter, I don't know what it was and the timing of it and that, the fact that it's Mitchell Rails, who's a local, you know, and... You know, obviously, launch sports talk radio probably is into sports. I don't know that much about him and his his love of sports or even the love of the Redskins. But remember what the first thing they did when they bought the station in 1992 is they took the Redskins away from WMAL, who had had the Redskins forever. And that was really the move that helped launch the sports talk radio station was getting the rights to the Redskins games. People were upset about it because the initial stick was actually not 980. Let me, let me make sure that I'm clear on this. The initial stick uh, radio uh, signal was 570 was AM 570. And then they eventually bought whatever you know group owned 980 and moved the station to 980 because 980 was a stronger signal than 570. 570 wasn't a bad signal and it still isn't a bad wasn't signal. Wasn't 980? Wasn't 980 WRC? Correct. Good job. Yes. yes. Did yes. you just google that? Um No, I came up <laughs> I googled it in my brain. How's that? Um you're right about that. It was WRC radio, Tommy. 100% right. Yes. Uh, so yeah. they bought it from WRC. I don't know what year they bought it uh, from WRC. I'm looking to see. So Sports Talk Radio 570, the team, before moving to 980, they were 570. Um, what year did they buy? I, I don't know. remember. But, you know, I used to – that's the first year I, I was at the Washington Times covering sports. 98 they bought. 92. 98 uh, they, okay. they moved to 980. Yeah, right. You know, that, For the Sun. Yeah, that that was my first year covering sports in '92. Yeah, at the times, and I used to listen to the station religiously. You know, driving back and forth from uh, Redskins Park at the time, and I used to. You know what I used to think? Guess what I used to think to myself? You can I do know this. You can guess. You can do this. Yeah. Me too. Yeah. Me I too. should be on that station. Tommy, I said the same thing, because I um. <laughs> 
you know, in the couple of years before Sports Talk Radio launched in D.C., Sports Talk Radio was blowing up as a format all over the country. And I was, you know, in a completely different business at that point and through, you know, the early 2000s was in a completely different business. And you know this, I traveled a ton. I mean, I was basically gone four to five days a week, every week for, you know, 12, 13, 14 years. Anyway, long story short, I spent a lot of time in New York and I fell in love with WFAN. Mike and the Mad Dog in particular, because I would be in the car for sometimes, you know, a couple of hours on the LIE or somewhere. Um, And I fell in love with it. And I remember thinking, God, I would love to do this. And then when Sports Talk Radio launched, when the Rails bought, you know, uh, or, or, or launched Sports Talk Radio for the first time in D.C. Now, there were Sports Talk shows. The legendary Ken Beatrice, of course, was a legendary show. Um, Al Koken yeah. and Bernie Smilovitz did a, sh- a show together on WTOP, but those were, you know, three hour, four hour blocks of just uh, sports programming. But 24 7 uh, Sports Talk Radio was a format that was blowing up all over the country, in part because, you know, and as we've learned over the years, talk radio, in particular local talk radio, if done well, can be you know, a big time revenue generator. Um, and so, uh, I, when I listened to the station as it was launched here, no offense to the people who were originally part of the, the, the rollout. Um, JB was on the station, this guy, uh, 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 the coach who was a bartender at Chadwick's, we all knew, um, and, and Kevin, and Kevin Kevin Kiley. Yeah. Kevin Kiley. Uh, Tony was on the show. I forget if that was from the beginning or not. Um, there were other, it was was from the beginning. There was a guy named Ira Melman. I I remember, I remember that guy. I think we've, I think we know him. I mean, Andy knows all these people and Scott Lynn, you know, all the guys that were from the, on the station right from the beginning, know all these people. Um, but I just remember thinking, well, this is no WFAN. Because FAN was, I mean, Mike and the Mad Dog are the gold standard, gold standard in terms of sports talk radio, and it really was amazing to to, to hear their chemistry and how good they were together, and you know, it, it wasn't that, you know, and and it, they they quickly evolved into more kind of talk show people. Um, Tony obviously was the biggest success early on doing radio. I mean, he yes. was, uh, uh, he was great. And I think JB, look, JB was a TV guy and JB, this was, you know, this was nothing for him, um, to be doing. Right. Um, but, yeah. uh, I remember thinking the same thing, listening to it and saying to myself, well, I can do this. <laughs> and, <laughs> and, and, and t- about 12 years later, I was somehow, some way, in very lucky fashion in many ways. But um, yeah, um, and and by the way, you know, Andy and Zabe really became, and Tony were the linchpins to that station, yeah. and they they you know they eventually got to to those you know te- the, you know the Tony Show and and the sports reporters, and then the station really started to take off. Now. I don't, you know, I don't know what they sold it for. I just remember um, that they sold it at the right time when radio was changing in terms of the rules of ownership, and they were smart, I think, to sell it then. Um, yeah, 
Well, so set, anyway. when you set up the lunch with us and the rails, yes, uh, mention my movie scripts that I, I'll, I'll bring along. Well, why wouldn't I? Okay. I mean, uh, that'll be that. Okay. The, I'll hand out the agenda, and after introduction, uh, introductions, <laughs> number two on the agenda will be Tommy's movie scripts and screenplays that he's written, or however that works. Yes. Um, Real quickly, speaking of, of of movies or TV shows, you, you haven't watched any of The Last of Us. I know you haven't. But um, for those right. that continue to tweet me with lots of information on episodes that I haven't watched, can you please stop doing that? All right. <laughs> At least give me, before I start to read, spoiler alert with maybe a few you know big markers that it's a spoiler alert. I am one episode behind. I have not watched episode eight. I watched episode seven. Um, you know, Ellie going back to how, you know, her whole journey started. And I thought it was an incredibly slow episode, really slow. Did not love that episode at all. Uh, episode seven. So I've got episode eight to get caught up on. And some of you have told me already a little bit about episode eight and that it's really good. Um, I'm trying not to read the tweets. Episode Episode seven was disappointing zombie content. That's what you're saying. Uh, actually, there was only one zombie, and it came at the very end. And no, okay. it wasn't. It, you, you know, the, 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 we've talked about this before. Breaking Bad, the fly episode, right? You, you know why they, they made the fly episode? Where Jesse and Walt are, you know, are in the... Um, Trying to catch the fly. Trying to catch in, the fly. In the, in the lab. In the lab. Yeah. And to me, that's the worst episode ever of Breaking Bad. I, I And some people loved that episode. I, what did you think of that episode? I forget what your reaction was to it. I wasn't real fond of it. I wouldn't... I, wouldn't, I don't know if I'd break it at the worst, but uh, I wasn't real fond of it. I'm pulling up something right now. The Ringer, okay, ranked The Fly as the 14th best episode out of 62 total Breaking Bad episodes. I would rank it as dead last for me. It was a very controversial um, episode uh, that was uh, critiqued in many different ways, reviewed in, in, in many different ways. But do you know why they did this? Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to look. Help me. Because they needed an episode that didn't cost them much money because they had overspent so much on that particular season on earlier episodes. What? Wow. Whatever happened to the fly? Did they catch it? Um, did, did Walt finally catch it and kill it? I, I don't know. I, I don't know. I can't even remember right now. You know, because I think that fly may have wound up on Mike Pence's forehead during the uh, vice presidential debates a few years ago. Oh, I do remember that. Yeah. Remember that? Yeah, I do remember that. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, I want to talk more about Lamar Jackson. Um, and I think we should talk about Jim Beheim and a few other things. Uh, you've got an update on your fractured foot. We'll start to get to all of that right after these words from a few of our sponsors. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. 
Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't forget to rate us and review us, especially on Apple and Spotify, and follow us on Apple and Spotify. There's a big plus follow sign in the upper right-hand corner if you're listening to us on Apple on your iPhone. Just click that and follow us. And on Spotify, it's like in the mid-left part of the screen uh, if you're listening to us on Spotify. Following us, rating, and reviewing us really does help. Um, We've gotten um, some really good reviews, but I wanted to read just um, a quick text from uh, a longtime listener, and by the way, somebody who's really helped me out over the years as it relates to podcasting, and that is our friend Danny. Um, Danny's got a podcasting business, and he's been a listener uh, since the get-go, and he just texted me the other day to say, Tom is a tenor. Um, we were wondering where your scale was That's in terms of your voice. And you were right. Tom is a tenor. Yeah. And a tenor is really um, kind of the, the highest level, I think, for a male. Highest pitch for a male. I think that's right. Do you know that or not? I don't. Can't men be sopranos without an operation? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> I'm not really familiar with that. I, I, said to, I said to Danny, I said, isn't the tenor the one that's for males only? He said, yes, similar to Sting. And I said, more like Peter Cetera from Chicago, because he would be a tenor more likely than not, right? Or would he be a s- soprano? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know, but uh, I, like the, I like these comparables. Yeah. Now you're finally getting with the program. Yeah. I, well, we're not suggesting that you have a voice similar to Sting or well, to Peter Cetera's. I think you are. Okay. Well, you know what? Why I don't not? Have the Why same, not? I don't have the same equipment available, you know, to help with my voice like those guys do. Right. I mean, if you heard raw Sting... You really think it'd be much different than Tommy Purify? I don't think so. <laughs> Probably not. From Leonard, keep the karaoke coming at the end of the podcast. Love it. Um, yeah, we, we, we put a bunch of it on there at the end of the show the other day uh, as well. Uh, do I have another one to put on the end? I mean, you did your final your finale, right? You sent it to me. I haven't yes. watched it yet. Sorry, because you sent it to me right before the show. Um, but is this something that I should put at the end of the show today? Tommy yes, purifies farewell. That, 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 absolutely. It was a big difference last night in karaoke. Uh, you know, most of the snowbirds left at the end of February. You know, we were able to basically get a deal to extend <laughs> to March 11th. Okay? I'm watching you right now. God. You really Remember, do. I got a walking boot on. I know, but you're standing up. You should have taken a seat. 
You really do dress yeah. for the occasion, don't you? Um, did you did you <laughs> did you tweet this one out? Not yet. Okay. Now, I always wait to give you a chance to post it on the podcast, and then I'll tweet it out. Oh, that's kind uh, later. As if it but, as if it's uh, a big draw. I'm not going to tweet it yeah. out until you've had a chance to draw everybody into the <laughs> podcast with my karaoke performance. Okay. There you go. Uh, well, but last and usually, I mean, you saw. I mean, I, I, I used to sing with a group of women sometimes uh, when it was a bunch of snowbirds. Hold on, hold on for a second. <laughs> I love listening to it every time you send send it to me. Oh God, you! Serious question for you: Do you think you have a good voice? No, Sing, singing we've voice. discussed this before. No, I don't think I have a bad voice. You don't. You don't think you have a bad singing pe- voice. No, there are some people who get up and sing, and you say, "Wow, what a bad voice." Mm-hmm. No, I don't have a good voice. Right. But I don't have a bad voice either. So the cheering, the that. cheering is for you and with you, not at you. Yes. No. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And like I said, I think if you give me the right microphone and the right, you know, sound engineer. I think it could sound good. <laughs> okay. All right. I'll tell you what you do but, have. You've got likability up there, that's for sure. And you, you know, as I've said before, <laughs> the demonstration of courage is, you know, top shelf. Uh, this segment of the podcast is brought to you by MyBookie. Go to MyBookie.ag. Use my promo code, KevinDC, and they will allow you to cash in and cash out quickly. Most books don't let you do that. Just wager your deposit amount one time, and you can exit if you want. Now, it's perfect for events like March Madness, these conference tournaments this weekend. You just feel like betting for the month of March, and then you want to get out, uh, do it with a, through my bookie use my promo code kevin dc i've mentioned this before somebody tweeted me the other day couldn't get your promo code in there erase what's ever in the promo code if something pops up in the promo code and write kevin dc by the way at my bookie i've been updating all of you all week on the jets odds they're the sixth pick to win the super bowl they're the fourth pick to win the afc championship um two days ago they were at like plus 1150 almost tied with the chargers now they're at plus 910 in dropping um only the chiefs bills and Bengals have better odds to win the afc championship next year than the than the uh, new york football jets by the way as a jet fan tommy which you are I would bet this is the first. I I know you were. Um, This is probably the first time in forever that the Jets are anywhere near the top of the board in terms of being a favorite to win anything significant. Kind of like Washington. It's been a long time for the Jets. Test averting. It has been a long time, but uh, I mean, I just think they're they're probably getting into. The business of a, of another psycho old Green Bay quarterback. <laughs> They've done this before, you know, with Brett Favre. Yeah, I know. Um, I don't. I think it's going to be different, and I'm almost now rooting for it so hard. And then I'm going to root like hell for the Jets next year, because this this discussion, and I'm going to get into um, an email and read that uh, to, to everybody out there, including you, because I've not read it to you yet. Um, I just 
think that if Aaron Rodgers were here playing in 2023, Washington would be a legitimate NFC championship contending team. Um, but some of you don't. Um, but those odds are dropping. Just, my oh, bookie, MyBookie.ag, Kevin DC is the promo code. J- mention what? Go ahead. Uh, did you see the latest gambling news? You sent me something about they're going to, they're going to allow wagering on WWE. Yes. Well, that's I mean betting on professional wrestling, Kevin. Right. Scripted matches. Right. WWE has held discussions with state gambling regulators in Colorado and Michigan to legalize betting on scripted match results. This is almost like you know um, the, the you know prop bets on on TV show endings or, you know, award shows in that, first of all, there will be limits on what you can actually wager. Nobody's going to be able to come in and wager $10 million on a WWE event. You know, it's going to be limited to like maybe a hundred bucks that you'd be able to wager. And they've probably all uh, already figured out with, you know, TV show endings or whatever that, they're profitable because most people don't know what the you know what how it's going to turn out, and therefore they end up winning or they end up you know just collecting vig on all this stuff. But the key is in this case, mm-hmm. I mean, is keeping keeping tabs on the wrestlers. I mean, according to this, WWE creative executives don't plan to inform the wrestlers who will win until hours before the match. Right. Okay. Now, what are they going to do in those hours leading up to the match? Take their cell phones away from them? Put them under guard? I mean, there's going to be, I mean, we're, we're, we're talking about professional wrestlers here, you know, I, I, who, who, who have to fight for every scrap of money they get. Do they? Somebody's going to be they, out there. Some of them don't they, make really good money? I, I don't know anything about it. No. I, I, and I think they, I, look, I know in the old days they had to pay their expenses. Their travel expenses and all that—they paid that mm-hmm. at their own pocket, you know. And and that, since they're on the road 300 days a year, a lot of times that, that would prove to be expensive. I just think this is hilarious uh, and just another statement. Well, and, and look, if Vince McMahon can pull this off, he truly is the greatest sports marketing executive in the history of this country. Betting on WWE. Yeah. Well, again, I mean, there are wagers allowed on things where the outcome is known by many people. We've seen that, you know, with, again, award shows and, you know, movie endings or show endings. How, you know, how's it going to end up? Or, I mean, so you have that. So they've probably figured out that enough people... Plenty of people, 95% of the people have no idea, and that more with a limitation on what you can bet on these kinds of things, because there's always a limit on these kinds of things, on what you can bet, that it ends up being profitable. You know, even if somebody rips them off from WWE and puts, you know, uh, lets 10 people know, hey, this is what's going to happen here, and they lose, you know, a couple thousand bucks on, on those bets, it more than is covered by those that don't know. They're not losing money doing this. Right. It's just so funny. Yeah. Um, I, I want to read two, two things to you. The first is a tweet from Brian. Um, whoa, whoa, whoa. You said 
you would take Deshaun Watson over Lamar Jackson? Are you smoking crack? Not only is Lamar better on the field, he's also better off the field, too. This is a no-brainer. Hey, Brian, calm down there, uh, friend. Uh, (laughs) Calm down there, champ. Uh, The conversation that Nick Ackridge and I had yesterday on the podcast was if we turned the clock back two years before we found out that Watson was a serial happy ending guy and knew, you know, what he was about, (laughs) would we in that moment at the end of 2020 take Watson or Jackson? And I said Watson and so did Nick. He said he'd take Watson too. Look, Watson at the end of 2020 – which is why when he became available because of all of the shenanigans in the Houston uh, organization with Jack Easterby, I mean, that that organization was falling apart that year. Um, Deshaun Watson was a debatable elite quarterback at 25 years old. He was somewhere between five and eight on the list. Yes. Jackson yes. was probably lower than that. So I you, agree with you 100%. At that time... <clears throat> You go back to that time on the calendar, I'm taking Deshaun Watson then, yes. Yeah, I, I, I was advocating to trade everything for Deshaun Watson at that time. Yes, you I, and, and so, um, and by the way, I would still say that the six games that Watson played at the end of this year, you know, could be an indication that, you know, he's lost it. And because the only game that he looked like Deshaun Watson in those final six was against Washington when he lit Washington up running the football on those, th- you know, three straight touchdown drives that end up salt- assaulting the game uh, against Carson Wentz, who helped out a little bit for sure. Um, but the, I still would say that Watson is a better passer from the pocket than Lamar Jackson, but no, 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 no. I, if we were talking about today, Deshaun Watson's character would play heavily into the conversation. Um, then I want to read this email from Adam. This is, you know, a continuation of kind of the conversation we've had about some in the fan base that are basically like, hey, uh, we don't need no stinking Lamar Jackson or Aaron Rodgers or anybody great. We got Sam Howell. Um, This from Adam. Kevin, Jackson to D.C. would be a disaster. They have the perfect setup right now. I've never, by the way, I I haven't heard anybody refer to Washington's setup as perfect in 30-something years. Paying a fifth-round rookie at quarterback with no dead money from Wentz, you're talking about 25% of the cap to Jackson at $50 million per year. Who will play with him? How many players would have to be cut? And two first-rounders? Those could be two additional starters. And then how much do you trust him to be available enough? They are doing the right things, even if it is out of financial necessity. Um, thank you, Adam. You can follow Tommy on Twitter at Tom Lavero. You can follow me um, on Twitter at Kevin Sheehan DC. Neither account is a, a blue check a Twitter verified account. <laughs> I still... You know what's funny, Kevin? What? You know what's funny? What? I mean, we tried to get blue check, and they kept turning us down. Yeah. Now, now you can pay for it. It's become, but it's become a source of embarrassment. What do you mean? Because if you have a blue check now, people automatically assume you're paying for it. Oh, I. Well, I mean, Denton told me that if you, you know, basically scroll over 
the blue check, it'll tell you if it was a, a, a previously verified account versus paid for. Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I, I, the, that, that's a mystery to, to both of us. I, we're just idiots. There's, there's Some of the people that have blue checks, and I'm talking about some of the media people in our market, and we don't have blue checks? Are you kidding me? Whatever. Um, let me just say this about Adam, your, your email. First of all, I do think there's a concern over him being available enough. He's missed 10 of the Ravens' last 22 games. You know, all of which were important games at the end of the last two seasons. That is a big part of the Lamar Jackson conversation. Not nearly as big of a, of a part as the demand for uh, a contract is. You know, the the demand for a Deshaun Watson two hundred plus million dollar guaranteed deal. So I do understand that part of it. I I, I hear you on that. That would be a concern about uh, about Lamar Jackson. Also, by the way, twenty five percent of the cap is not the way it would work. You know, on fifty million per year AAV, they'd figure out a way for some end of year you know fluff years at the end to lower the cap number um, for the years that he was actually um, getting the guaranteed money. Um, but here's the part that I just do not understand. Oh, I would also add two first rounders for Lamar Jackson. Are you kidding me? That's a bargain, dude. I mean, yeah, think yeah. about what's been given up for the likes of Russell Wilson and what's, you know, the, the Aaron Rodgers contract is going to be a b- big part of this. How much does Green Bay eat? If they eat more, they'll get more from the Jets, et cetera. Um, but two first rounders for a, an MVP caliber quarterback? Are you kidding me? That's nothing. That would not be a roadblock for me at all. But this brings us back, Tommy, to the conversation. And I saw JP tweet something out yesterday about something B. Mitch said on the show. B. Mitch made the following comment on his radio show yesterday. How does this fan base get excited about Carson Wentz and Ryan Fitzpatrick and say no to Lamar Jackson? You know, and I would add to that, how do, how does this fan base get excited about Sam Howell and Taylor Heineke and not get juiced about somebody like Lamar Jackson? By the way, before you answer and before we get into this in more detail, Lamar Jackson's not coming to D.C. They can't afford Lamar Jackson right now. So the, the Florio thing that I played yesterday, Tommy, Mike Florio has been going hard on this hunch, this theory. You know, Adam Schefter has kind of referred to it. Ryan Clark, others have said Washington seems like a great spot. Washington can't afford Lamar Jackson. There is no way they're putting $200 million into escrow before they sell this team. Now, if Mitchell Rails and Josh Harris buy the team tomorrow or next week, who knows? Maybe. Um, but as long as Snyder continues to own this team before selling it, th- this is going to be an uneventful and not an uneventful, but it's going to be a lower-priced, um, lower, you know, much less aggressive free agency period. But I don't. This is the thing I just don't understand. First of all, I think Brian's a little bit off. I don't think that it's the fan base. I think this, like we've talked about before, I think this is a small minority of what's left of the fan base. It seems larger if you're just on social media because it's an overly aggressive 
part of the fan base, you know, the, the people that I've referred to as the get on board or get out people on the Carson Wentz trade. You know, I got that. You got that for a while. Yeah. Um, and now, by the way, it's the get on board with Sam Howell or get out, you know, group. Sam Howell. Um, you know, uh, and and so I just I, I, I know we've talked about this before. I can't believe how dumbed down this fan base is from where it used to be. I think this fan base, you know, it, obviously it's a fraction of the size that it used to be, so that may be part of it. And those that are still left and still paying and still believing, there's a level of naivete, let's let's say it nicely, that has to exist to still be 100% bought yes. in to this organization. Yes. But the aggr- the aggressive nature of, you know, Carson Wentz, Taylor Heineke, Sam Howell. I mean, Lamar Jackson would be the best quarterback this franchise has had since Joe Theismann. Matt Stafford, Aaron Rodgers. Look, I know I would have been wrong about Russell Wilson, but I will continue to swing big in two areas. The draft, the first round of the draft. And then, you know, an established quarterback that somehow is available, you know, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Deshaun Watson or a Russell Wilson or a Matt Stafford or a Lamar Jackson in recent years. Superstar or high-level quarterbacks that become available because at least you know you're getting one. In the draft, you don't even know you're getting one, even if you pick one number one overall. Um, I just... I don't understand the mindset of, hey, uh, we got our guy, dude. We got our guy. You know, we had our guy last year. We had our guy the year before. We just need to build out around these guys, and we'll end up being the 49ers, or we'll end up being the Eagles. Remember, Jalen Hurts was a second-round pick, people. Okay, he wasn't a fifth-round pick. And Jalen Hurts is the you know exception to the rule. Of non, you know, first high first rounders, I, I I just B Mitch summed it up for me in that one line. How does this fan base get excited about Wentz and Fitzpatrick? And again, I think it's a very small percentage of the fan base, but I hear the same things he hears, you hear, you know, JP, John, we all hear, and it's like, wait a minute, we got our guy, just like we did it, uh, apparently a year ago. You know, the whole Sam Howe thing, I think is the is the lowest. I think it's the worst. Of all of them, I mean Carson Wentz. At least was a had a name. Yes, I mean he, he. We saw him play in the NFL at one point where he was very good. True, it may have been a distant memory, but this guy Sam Howe has thrown nineteen NFL passes. Okay, and th- this is just absolutely insane. And now he's Ron Rivera's one A quarterback, right? That's what he says, one A QB one, yeah. QB1, okay. QB1, does that make uh, the guy, if they sign a free agent, is he, is he QB2 or QB1A? I think, he, I think Ron is, you know, in his ever-changing philosophies and viewpoints on everything, I think by the time we get to Andy Dalton or Jacoby Brissett being signed as a veteran free agent, he might refer to that quarterback as QB1A instead of QB2. <laughs> So it's just so bizarre. The whole Sam Howell thing is so bizarre because you and I have both said there's probably a couple of free agent 
quarterbacks out there, low-cost free agent quarterbacks out there, who I think, like, if they sign, uh, if we're available, like, like an Andy Dalton, or I even think a Teddy Bridgewater, I think has a much better chance of winding up being a starter and making this team more competitive. I agree. Given their offensive weapons. I agree. And their defense. I think if they yes. I think if they signed Andy Dalton to a one-year $4 million deal, again, this isn't my quarterback strategy, but we know what we're working with here in the offseason. So we got to come up with a solution based on what they can actually do or what they're willing to do. Um, just like, you know, they, they failed on Stafford. So getting Fitzpatrick was certainly an upgrade or had the potential to be an upgrade over what they had the previous year. And last year, even though I hated the Wentz trade and said it was not the long-term answer, I, I still suggested that it, it could be better, you know, if he got back anywhere near where he was, it could be much better than what they had previously. Andy Dalton, I think, too, would be another one in the line of – Fitzpatrick and Wentz, which isn't the, you know, he's not the long-term answer. He's not a franchise quarterback. You're not going to compete for a Super Bowl or deep into the postseason with him. But if you want a chance to go 8-8-1 eight, eight and one or 9-7-1 and one or 9-8 or 10-7 and, eight or ten and seven next year with a good defense and some good playmakers and grab that last wild card spot, Andy Dalton would probably give you the best chance to do that of anybody that's been here since Kirk Cousins. I mean, I don't want to discount Alex Smith's 2018. I think we've been over that territory enough. They were not a dynamic team offensively. They were a woeful offensive football team. But he didn't make mistakes, and they were running the football, and they were playing better defense, and they had kind of a weakish kind of a schedule, and they played played the Packers when Aaron Rodgers was hurt. Um, and I don't think they would have made the playoffs had Alex Smith not broken his leg. Um, but, you know, the, the quarterbacking that particular year didn't suck. It wasn't good, but it didn't suck like it did last year and the year before, you know, uh, so or in 2020. Like Alex Smith was on one leg in 2020, and he was the best they had that year. Yes. But you think about it, if you're not right, you're wasting another year of Terry McLaurin. And Curtis Samuel and Jahan Dotson. Yeah, you're wasting. You're wasting another season. There's only so many seasons you have these guys. Look, there's something about him that says at least he can throw a football. Like at least he can make every NFL throw. He's got the arm, and he's he's also mobile. You know, maybe okay. Maybe it'll work. Upside to me is upside to me is Baker Mayfield. Where does that get you? Well, some people think his upside could be somebody like Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I know. I, the, the Aaron Rodgers one is the one that really, for me, you're talking about, you know, truly one of the greatest quarterbacks that's ever lived. He is in three, the last three years, he's won two MVPs. And last year, he still threw for over 4,000 yards and I think 26 touchdowns or whatever it was with brand new receivers and not a very good team around him at all. I, if you told me that Aaron Rodgers is available, is willing to play for Washington and the new ownership group, and they didn't go after him and instead said, no, we're just going to build around Sam Howell, I mean, I honestly, that, that, I mean, I'm already on my way out a little bit. 
I'd be, I mean, but, but more importantly, I would just be completely flabbergasted by the approach, especially if it were the approach of the football people. Like, the one thing I've given Ron Rivera some credit for, and I've given him credit actually for several things, at least he swung for Stafford. At least he swung for, for Russell Wilson. At least he had the mindset and the understanding, this is a way. It, it's no guarantee, but this is one of the ways to go. The other is through the draft. And clearly they didn't like Justin Fields enough or Trey Lance enough or they didn't like Kenny Pickett enough for last year. You know, this year maybe they'll like Anthony Richardson or Will Levis or somebody like that a lot and they'll be aggressive going up in the draft. But I... I Hoping for a Brock Purdy situation here next year is really here's what you want to do if if you're putting together personnel for your football team, you want to increase your odds that you'll have success. There's no there's no nobility in 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 you know having the long shot be successful. Rooting for the long shot. That shouldn't be your your goal here. You know? They don't some of these people be... don't view it as a long shot, Tommy. Some of these people view it as this is the smart way to go. This whole recent thing about building around a rookie quarterback contract. But see, here's the thing the rookie quarterback or the second year quarterback has to be good. And nine times out of ten, no. You know, 49 times out of 50, they're not good. You're nowhere near good enough. And you end up being what a lot of these teams that have good rosters like the Jets end up being, like Washington was last year, a middling team at best. At best, the Jets were 7-10 and with Mike White and Zach Wilson and Joe Flacco, hon. For a game or two. <laughs> um, what else you got on this? I got nothing else on this, boss. We can talk about my foot. Uh, we've got some things coming up. We're going to get to them. I want to talk about what Kyle Kuzma said after the Wizards game last night. <laughs> um, that was pretty interesting. And I want to talk about Jim Beheim. And you want to talk about your fractured foot. So we'll do all those things right after these words from a few of our sponsors. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply.
Tommy, would Shelly's be a great spot to hang out and watch some March Madness games next week and even this week? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. They've got eight big screen TVs, high definition TVs, all throughout the two rooms that they've got at Shelly's back room with very comfortable chairs and couches to sit in and enjoy the games. Uh, so, yeah. And you know what? If you're not a March Madness guy, you know, we're very close to spring. March 21st is springtime, uh, the official date of spring. And I just wanted to let people know that there's nothing like sitting outdoors at Shelly's back room when the weather starts to turn nice and have the world walk by and say, look at that guy smoking a cigar, drinking his drink. Well, he looks like he's enjoying himself. That's really a pleasure because Shelly's has a great outdoor seating area right there on F Street as, as well. Uh, and I, that, that is something you, should, you should, should do sometime. Here's the other thing I wanted to, to tell you. If you're out at a show in D.C. late at night, let's say you're at the Warner Theater or some kind of other event mm-hmm. on, on a weekend night, Shelly's is open until 3 a.m. Wow. On Friday and Saturday nights. Yes. Uh, so, Post-theater I mean, post theater dinner. Yes. Yes, and, and like you're in New York, smoke. like you're in New York, because most places typically are closed. Yes, look at Shelley's is big time, <laughs> and if you want to be big time, go to Shelley's and have yourself a big time smoke and drink. Yeah, Shelley's back room at thirteen thirty one F Street Northwest in the district. Did you hear Jim Beheim after they lost to Wake Forest in the ACC tournament yesterday when he was asked kind of about whether or not this was it for him? Did you hear any? I read the, uh, I read it. Okay. I didn't hear it. Uh, I read, I read the transcript. Let me play it for everybody right now. I, I think you missed it. <clears throat> I gave my retirement speech on the court last Saturday, and I gave it in the press conference afterwards, and nobody. Except William, William Payne figured it out. So are you, are you saying right now that it's your, you, you, you're going to retire? This is up to the university. You, you want to come back? I didn't say that. <laughs> uh, okay, but, so what are you saying? You're not saying you're retiring, I but you're not saying... I think I just saying... said it. I don't know. So you don't know? Okay. I said this is up to the university. And you, you're not sure whether you're... When will you, when will, how will you make a determination about when you will come back? You're talking to the wrong guy. Okay. Thank the, you. You're talking to the wrong guy. You're talking to the wrong guy. Was, the whole the the, the he whole was way fired. He, the whole way it was handled was really odd. Now they're calling this, you know, him stepping down as the Syracuse head coach. By the way, good job by that reporter because I was just as confused listening to his answers as well. And she stayed on him like, "Well, what are you saying?" Yeah. Um and the bottom line is, ultimately, when he left that press conference, the school announced that he would not be returning as the men's basketball coach, and it was described as, you know, kind of him stepping down after 47 years as the head coach at Syracuse. Um, other than the odd way in which it ended, I've never been like a massive Bayheim fan You know, some of those Syracuse teams always kind of bothered me. I don't know, as a college basketball fan. Um, But there's no way you can debate whether or not this guy was a highly successful 
college basketball coach. 1,015 wins, all right? He went to 35 NCAA tournaments in 47 years. He went to the Final Four five times. He won the national title in 2003. By the way, he's got 58 NCAA tournament wins, which ranks fourth all time. You know, all in the same place where he started as a player and then he was, you know, uh, affiliated with the university for a while until he got the job 47 years ago as the head coach when they were playing in that Manly Fieldhouse when uh, Thompson and Georgetown shut it down for good in a finale yeah. that year and then moved into the Carrier Dome. Um, you know, for me, whenever I think about Syracuse basketball, I just think of Jim Beheim and Jim Beheim's 2 3 zone. Because it's all he's basically played for 40, I think for for most of the time he's been there. And very few schools, you know, and coaches are known just for like one thing more than anything other specific to the way they play. I mean, I think Bob Huggins is kind of known for the 1-3-1 zone and the full court press, you know, tra- the full court 1-3-1 trap press. And Gary was kind of known for being a pressing coach, but Jim Beheim's known as the guy that runs the 2-3. That's all he plays. He doesn't play man to man. You got to be able to beat the 2-3 zone and he recruits to that defense, you know, longer players, rangier players, good defensive players out of the zone. Um hell of a coach really was um over the years and uh I mean, that university, I know it was known for Jim Brown and his exploits and um didn't Leroy Kelly also go to Syracuse? Was that the other great running back at Syracuse, Tommy? There were a lot of them. Leroy Kelly, uh, Ernie Davis. Ernie Davis, of course. Larry Zonka, Floyd Little. Floyd Little. There were a lot of them. God, that is a lot of them. I mean, that's unbelievable. I mean, that's running back you. By the way, Leroy Kelly was not Syracuse. I was thinking of Floyd Little. Um, Floyd uh, Okay, And, uh, and John Mackey went to Syracuse at the same time as Ernie Davis. Right. Um, look, uh, you know, those guys, you know, are, are known for Syracuse and Syracuse football. And in the case, by the way, of Jim Brown, also Syracuse lacrosse, but it, you know, Syracuse basketball, uh, you know, when you think of Syracuse university, I think a lot of people just think of Jim Beheim in the basketball program and the carrier dome and, you know, some of the great players like Pearl Washington and Derek Coleman, you know, over the years and Sherman Douglas, who, you know, played here, Carmelo, um, uh, but it's it's a hell of a school. It's a hell of a broadcasting school. God, most of the play, the great play by play guys in sports all went yes. to Syracuse. Um, but I don't know. Uh, Beheim. It seems okay, like seems like question. an end of an era. By the way, with Beheim and Shashevsky and Roy Williams here over the last you know yeah. year retiring. Yeah, and uh, let me ask you. Gary is friends with uh, Beheim. Yes. Right? Yeah. Longtime friends. Yeah. So there's got to be more to the guy than what we see. Sure. Okay. Because <laughs> he hasn't well, come across as a friendly guy, the kind of guy you'd want to spend any time with. Right. Yeah, I... I Gary does. Yeah, Gary, no. you see Gary, you're thinking, Jesus, I'd love to hang out with that guy. You see Beheim, <laughs> you're saying, Jesus, this is the last guy I'd want to hang out at a dinner party with. Yeah. But there's got to be more to him, I guess. 
because he appears to be like more of like an engineer code writer than a basketball coach. But no, everybody like I think Gary isn't the only one that loves Bayheim's company. And um, anyway, what well, well, I don't got I got nothing else to say. It just seems like we really are at the end of of an era. Shashevsky, Bayheim, um, Roy Williams in particular. Um, yeah. He's second on the all-time wins list uh, in Division I history behind Krzyzewski's 1,202. He's at 1,015 wins. And, you know, it just seemed like Syracuse was obviously a fixture every year in the NCAA tournament. The last two years they haven't made it. Remember, he, like many of the older school coaches in recent years, have gotten a bit tired of NIL and Transfer Portal and what it's done to the sport and – you know, he made the comment earlier in the year about playing teams that were bought and paid for. Um, <laughs> I mean, I think there are some people that think Syracuse's team you know, in various years were were certainly um, uh, bought and paid for as well. I mean, they had a hundred and something wins vacated um, due to uh, NCAA sanctions. Um, but anyway, uh, that was it. I thought the the exit press conference was just flat out strange. Uh, yeah. It was. So um, this was last night the Wizards lost to the Hawks 122 to 120. The game was <clears throat> frustrating. I watched the game. And, uh, I don't get it. I I was flipping it around. I was watching a lot of college hoops last night. I watched Ohio State, Wisconsin. Watched uh, Nebraska, Minnesota. Maryland, Maryland plays Minnesota tonight in the Big Ten tournament. Um, poor Zingas, Tommy. Look, just he's actually worth watching the Wizards for. I mean, he is just a spectacular player, offensively in particular. Um, he had 43 last night on 17 of 22 from the floor, but he was seven of 10 as a seven foot three guy from behind the arc. I mean, he really is. You know, he's uh, he is superstar talent. If he, cause if he could ever put it together health-wise for a couple of years, I mean that that that's he's the wild card for their franchise, really. Um, but anyway, he and Beal and Kuzma last night, Kyle Kuzma combined for 92 points, 43 from Porzingis, 24 from Beal, 25 from Kuzma, and Kyle Kuzma said the following after the game when he was referred to as part of the big three. This is what he said. I love this answer. Well, I don't know if necessarily the big three, you know, and no, no, none of us are all stars, so that's one. And then two, um, I mean, we've definitely figured it out. I mean, I don't really think we get in each other's ways. Um, you know, we all play different type of positions, and we all have different type of games that are really unique. So I think that's why you see a lot of the blends and stuff. Um, but. I mean, we combined for 92 points. So, I mean, obviously it's probably good. The other other night is probably like 79, 80, right? So, I mean, we could fill up points, but, you know, are we defending enough? Are we helping make others better? You know, that's that's our next progression um, for the next 15, 20 games. Because we can score, we can do this, but, you know, we got to defend and we got we to gotta make others better. Plain and simple. I love that answer, too. I thought it was I thought it was one of the most self-aware statements we've heard from anybody in this organization in a long time. Yes. 
uh, uh, big yes. three, you guys haven't accomplished anything. I mean, yes. you're not yes, even. Yes, yes. And with the talent on this team, to be honest with you, Tommy, the talent on this team is a 45 win, 44 win, you know, four, five, six seed in the East kind of a talent base. But I, I love that from Kuzma. Me too. I don't know if it's, if it's the big three. None of us were all stars. <laughs> Yeah, and then to talk about defense and making other players yeah. better. I mean, they don't guard yeah. very well. They're not a good defensive team. Um, they they don't do smart things at the right times of games, like last night at the end of the game. The, the last possession, they're down five with six and a half seconds to go in the game. Uh, they call timeout. They advance the ball. So, Tommy, when you're down five, is there is there a way to tie the game on one possession? No. So you need two possessions. Yes. Yeah, that's a good answer. Um, they apparently thought they could do it on one because they ran a play. Beal catches the inbounds. He makes a pass and then another pass to Porzingis. And Porzingis made a three as the horn sounded. And they lost by two. Tell me if this is true because obviously I didn't watch it. Obviously. They were down four with about 18 seconds to go. The ball was thrown in the Beal. And he traveled. Yeah, he tra- he had a turnover. He had two turnovers down the str- down down the stretch. Oh my yeah, God. yeah. He also missed a. He got a steal defensively, and then missed an easy shot right at the rim. He's actually been really good at closing out games recently. Um, not so much last night. Um, that's all I got. Well, let's for today. change that and let's talk about me. Let's talk about you and your fractured foot. How's it doing? Okay. Well, first of all, before we get to the foot. I just want to recount the atmosphere last night at karaoke. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the, the snowbirds are gone. Okay, we're one of the few left. Mm-hmm. They left at the end of February, and we managed a deal to squeeze out 11 days. But this place is now spring break city. Mm. So the, young, the youngins were, loved you. There were waves and waves of co-eds that came into the bar last night. I mean, they just came in waves. They were all girls, hardly any guys. Just like like a sorority convention. Uh-huh. That's the a- place was just packed. And they loved you. Well, you know, Kevin, the Tommy Purify effect, it knows no age boundary. <laughs> you know that. I know that. So, of course. Of course they loved me. And, he- and, they, and, and, I, and I point out that I performed under duress with my walking boot to protect my foot, which is not a fractured foot. It's not. You no, know, I went back. I, no, I saw a follow-up foot and ankle specialist yesterday, mm-hmm. and I didn't think, look, when the guy said you got a small fracture in your foot on Monday, you know, I, I tried to tell him, but that's not the problem. The mm-hmm. problem is above my heel, you know, like in, it's this part above my heel. That's the problem. Right. And uh, my foot doesn't hurt, you know? It's this thing. And uh, so when this guy, when the expert came and looked at my stuff, he said, you've had that fracture in your foot for probably years, you know? Just a little fracture uh, that never healed. And it, I never feel it. It doesn't bother me. Uh-huh. He said, based on the soft tissue damage uh, from the x-ray, what you probably have is a partial Achilles tear. Oh, Okay. None of, neither yeah. one of these injuries can impact your voice, though, right? I just want to make sure that your voice no. is safe. No, my voice is safe. 
Uh, But what I've learned about a partial Achilles tear, it can heal on its own. I mean, I'm going to see a doctor when I get back up north, Mm -hmm. but uh, it's not the thing that requires surgery. It can heal on its own. It might take two weeks. It might take uh, six weeks. Is there anything you need uh, to do? Ice, heat, you know, Advil? No. No? It really doesn't hurt as much as it did a couple of days ago. Yeah. No. Uh, and they said to wear the boot as much as possible to keep it immobile. So I'll do that whenever it's. So it you're gonna keep, you're gonna keep the boot. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're gonna get some mileage out of that boot, aren't you? Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Can can I keep the boot even after my even after my foot feels better? <laughs> oh man, my wife's doing everything for me. Uh, but so the spring breakers really dug your, your karaoke last night. They were into it. Why is that? Why is that a surprise? Uh, It's not a surprise at all. Um, did they, did they, did they tip you? Was there a tip jar? Uh, Did you put the hat out? No, 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 no tip jar. I, I look, Kevin, I sing out of a sense of obligation, not out of a sense of profit. Mm. Okay. Right. You know, I mean, I sing to share my talent. You're generous in that I'm, way. It's 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 amazing because almost every because almost everything else you do actually requires monetary compensation. <laughs> so it's really this is the generosity of Tommy Purify. By the way, I'm just looking yes. at for the very first time. Um, you were talking, and I was googling. Um, I am looking at the very first, for the very first time, the Kevin Durant injury last night. You know, last night was the home debut for for Durant and Phoenix. And I know, he, and he didn't even make he didn't even make it into the game. Right? Have you seen what he did in warmups? Oh my God! Yeah, he tur- he rolls his ankle going for a layup so badly, and <clears throat> this does not look good. It, it, it honestly, he's going to be in a boot. Hopefully he can sing. Um, all right, what else? <laughs> you got anything else for the for the show today? Nothing else for you today, right, boss. Go. When I talk to you next, I'll be back in Frederick. I know you will uh, with that boot on. Um, have a great day. I'll be back tomorrow. Let me just tease something. It's it's what we call in the trade a soft tease. I think Cooley's going to be on the show tomorrow to talk about some of the quarterback stuff and to talk about Anthony Richardson's Indy Combine. That is a that is a soft tease because, as we know, sometimes plans don't work out the way we anticipate. Uh, back tomorrow.
Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.